1: Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury Inside the Heart of a Champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM 790 The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. I'm actually coming to you live Well, I shouldn't say live. I'm coming to you recorded from my hotel room on Saturday night. As we had last night, of course, the rematch. Gennady Golovkin taking on Canelo Alvarez all week long. We were out here on Radio Row, um, you know, and everybody was spouting, this time it's going to end in a rematch. This time it's going to be ending before it will not be in the hands of the judges. And of course it did. Of course, it ended up, of course it was going in the hand of the judges. I don't understand why we would watch those last few rounds and think that it was going to end up in anything other than the hands of the judges. Makes no sense. Of course, it was going to end up in the hands of the judges. What did you guys think? They had that that evenly matched up around the last time, and those guys going at it, toe to toe, hitting each other with everything they had in the last fight. You thought that there was going to be some uh, magic sauce that came into this next one. No, of course not. But um, with a lot of these things, there is a lot of controversy surrounding this decision. Um, Gennady Golovkin ends up getting the nod yesterday. He was a winner on two of the judges' scorecards, 115-113. Uh, one of the judges has it 114-114. And Harold Letterman had it eight to uh, eight rounds to four. He had it 116-112 to Gennady Golovkin. And there were a lot of people who thought that Gennady Golovkin got robbed in this decision. I had the fight for Canelo, Um, and in full disclosure, my pick last week was for Canelo by decision. So I just want to get those things off the table so when everybody hears this and they think that I'm biased, uh, know this. I I made this point last week. The storybook ending, the feel-good ending, was obviously for Gennady Golovkin to get his win. That was was what the storybook would have been. If Gennady Golovkin was able to go out there and he was able to – Get vindication for the guy who, in in a lot of the fans' eyes, cheated the sport, cheated him, um, got the judges' gift last time. the 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 Hollywood ending would have been Gennady Golovkin getting that, getting that vindication. So, I, storybook wise, I in this entire week, in, in a way, I was rooting for Gennady Golovkin to win. I don't care about being right on these predictions. That being said, when I go into fights. I mean, it's outside of the guys that I end up meeting or or interviewing or get to know on some kind of personal level. I'm not really rooting. I just want to see the the fight unfold. So what went down last night at the at the T-Mobile Arena? As I watched this fight, I could tell right off the jump. Oh, you know, I I I mean, I guess I'm seeing something different than what the broadcast was, and by broadcast I meant Jim Lampley because you know, Lampley goes into this, and this first round comes out, and I thought, you know, Canelo was really all coming out at a, a very different level of aggression in this fight, he was bringing the fight to Gennetti. he was pressing forward, and Jim says, yeah, well, he landed some jabs, and, you know, for, for most people, like, the jab is, you know, for very few, a devastating punch, it's usually a setup punch, or a range establishing punch, um you know for some it's a damaging punch but but for the most part it it sets up what is your power shots it's there's a reason why in CompuBox that though the statistic of of power punches was separated from total punches because a lot of the times the jab is thrown uh in the majority of time just to set things up but it it is graded differently than what a quote-unquote power punch is which is anything other than a jab um I say this because a lot of people who thought Gennady Golovkin won this fight was because of his jab. And this is my big counter to that because I did end up thinking that Canelo won this fight and won the majority of the rounds. Um, I ended up having it 116-112 for for Canelo Alvarez, um, which is not a card I've seen a lot. Going into fights, we're all looking at different things. That's why I don't like to say that people got robbed a lot of the times unless it's something crazy like... Adelaide Bird, the first Triple G Canelo fight, which this, which was, you know, everybody knows, is just crazy. <laughs> but to to a degree, most of these cards are, are pretty damn, you know, are, are pretty close, and these judges do a pretty good job. And on most nights, somebody's probably doing a pretty terrible, you know, if somebody's doing a terrible job, it's usually just one judge where we're just like, whoa, what was that guy thinking? Um, but these judges had it you know 7-5 for Canelo and one judge had it 6-6. Six, six. And and you know, I I came out of that pretty satisfied. Like I definitely thought the styles of the style of this fight definitely leaned Canelo. I thought Canelo was bringing the fight. I thought that he roughed up Gennady Golovkin. I thought he made Gennady Golovkin uncomfortable. And when I'm come back with when people come back at me with, well, well Gennady had the better jab and I'm like all right, in what Gennady Golovkin fights do you go in there and you think that the jab is the key weapon. I'm not saying that he doesn't have an excellent jab, you know that comes from his 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 vast amateur background, but you're not going into Gennady Golovkin fights and thinking the jab is the thing that is is his key to victory a lot of the times. And I thought that Gennady made a critical mistake that he did in the last fight which where everybody looked at this and said that Gennady was robbed in the first fight, I thought that fight was a lot closer than a lot of people had it. Nobody had it 10-2 like Adelaide Bird, but if we're going to talk about that fight, it was a lot closer than what people thought it was in my eyes. And where did he screw up? He screwed up in letting Canelo Alvarez get off early. He taking too much time to get going. And then this fight, I thought it was done to even more of a va- in a more egregious sense by Gennady Golovkin. I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know if he was thrown off by the style. I don't know if it was a, if it was a question of, you know, he had a weird training camp. He seemed like he had issues with his cardio all night. Was that a question of Gennady uh, of Canelo Alvarez banging his body too much early in that fight? If you thought that fight was anywhere in the realm of Gennady Golovkin, I just I, I don't know what to tell you. I I, I mean, it, it really, for me, it, it didn't swing in this fight. I'm looking at my scorecard notes from la- from last night right now. I mean, for the first six rounds of that fight, it was all Canelo Alvarez. And, you know, it, it really didn't swing until about round eight is where Gennady really started getting it going and really started taxing on canelo alvarez and quite frankly i think that was just because canelo alvarez was tired of walking him down the entire time and beating him up um you know it wasn't by much it just seemed like he was starting to finally find his target who who was finally relenting somewhat but there was a there was a huge issue that kennedy Golovkin had in this fight of letting canelo alvarez dictate the pace getting off the more impressive shots in a round and you know To these people who think that oh well Gennady was was winning the fight with his jab, it's like, all right. Well, tell me the tell up up through the first seven rounds. Tell me the jabs that were impressing you so much. And and the reason I'm making that such a point is, look, this is a twelve round fight, and these rounds matter. If we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about whether or not a guy got robbed, you have to really look about the whole picture of the fight. You can't just go at the end of it and think, oh, no, no, Gennady had the great comeback in this, and I feel like he should have won, and, and it, it's only right that he won. He got screwed the last time. I feel like all these people who who think that he was the winner of this are are falling victim to wanting him to get it because it feels right, getting caught up in, in what's what I, what I like to call uh, curve scoring, which is basically like y- y- you you see how a fight is going for the majority of a fight, and then a guy looks a little better than how he's looking in the fight, and so you give him that round. In the midst of Canelo starting to fade somewhat, um, you are you are thinking, yeah, like here's the comeback for Gennady and That's why I think these things get so emotional. Um, so look. I thought Canelo won that fight. Um I thought it was pretty clear that he won that fight. Won the majority of that round, uh, won the majority of the rounds. That's ultimately what we're talking about here, right? Um I thought that he imposed himself more on Gennady. Gennady had one real opportunity I thought to take the fight and it was it was his best combination of the fight. It was round 10 and he really hurt Canelo Alvarez up against the ropes. If it was a Gennady Golovkin early on in the fight, or if it was a Gennady Golovkin who wasn't getting banged up the entire fight, he might have been a guy who, when you hit a combination like that, you usually have the wherewithal to go and go finish the job. That was a, it was an opportunity to go finish the fight right there, and he didn't. He kind of just like rested on his laurels. So it was enough to win the round, but I'm talking like he probably had Canelo in a position where. He could have really, really uh, put an impact to the fight of how he comes out in the 11th. Uh, Maybe put him on the canvas, really swing at a couple points in that round if you really wanted to get back in that fight. So I thought Canelo dictated that fight. I thought that he took the steam out of Triple G enough to where Triple G couldn't finish him with any authority. Was he making the more impactful shots? Probably round 9 through 12. He certainly was. Um, I think I gave him three out of the last four rounds for Triple G. He he put up an incredible, incredible fight. It was um, unbelievable drama. And so we talk a lot of scorecards on here because that's what everybody wants to talk about. They want to talk about how some guy was robbed or you feel he got hosed. Okay, I mean, we can all sit here and be angry man yelling at Cloud. Ultimately, those two gentlemen put on an incredible show for 12 rounds, what has now been for 24 rounds, and that should be the thing that's appreciated, ultimately. These guys just put on a hell of a show. They put in on an all-time classic, I thought, last night. And I think the fans should be mostly appreciative of that. I've always been a guy that thinks that power shots, damaging shots, whoa moments, those are the things that I look for in fights. Those are the things that stick out for me. You know, If we're doing face tests ast- afterwards, I thought Gennady Golovkin had uh, had, had the more beat-up face. At one point, his trainer was telling him, "You're losing this fight." So, how is it that we can be at this point where his trainer is telling him he's losing in the middle of a bout, but come out on this and say, "Hey, he was robbed." I I, I just I, I can't co-sign that. But if if I were to say like screw jobs, Canelo Triple G one, Canelo Triple G two, which one does Triple G gets screwed more out of? I mean, not even close. That it's it's the first one. It's not even close especially with how one of the scorecards went for him 10 2 Canelo i mean that's that's insane but two judges forget what i say two judges having it 7-5 which is which is razor thin it's it's the closest margin of victory you can give a person two judges giving the closest margin of victory to Canelo Alvarez and another judge saying it's even watching that fight last night honestly for 12 rounds the majority of you don't think you, you guys think that's a robbery to say that Canelo slightly won that fight. I I just don't see it. How how I, I don't see how that can be an outrage worthy decision. If it was seven five triple G, would you have thought that was good enough? You would probably been like yeah. If you are a triple G fan, you have been like yeah. It's about seven five. That's about it for me. If you gave seven five triple G. That's about his best. I-, I saw some people coming at me, uh, you know, eight four yesterday. I was like, Man, he- you thought he won eight rounds, eight rounds. When-, when it really took about triple G, about until round eight to get going. Maybe you give him one of the early rounds, and he didn't shut shut out Canelo by the end of that fight. Um. Yeah, I just nah, I- I'm I I don't I don't feel like he got robbed. I thought I thought the judges got it right. Close win for Canelo Alvarez uh and in my eyes i thought that he clearly won the fight but that's just one fight we'll be we'll be there covering the next ones everybody the rest of the show we we got some stuff to to dive into uh previewing what's coming up anthony joshua is taking on alexander Bavetkin. Uh we got some good bellator and ufc action coming up next week so we'll get into that for the rest of the show but uh thanks to everybody who tuned into our coverage this week of canelo triple g2 from vegas and we had a lot of fun doing it and hope to do, do it again for the next big fight. Uh, we're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Uh, let's roll on now from the Triple G Canelo talk. Got ourselves a nice little week coming up in mixed martial arts. We'll get to Bellator in just a little bit and what's going down. Uh, next week in UFC as well. But a couple of news and notes that I kind, of, I, I, I kind of found a little bit interesting, a little bit interesting, if you will, speaking of London. Um, I want to talk about Anthony Joshua. He's fighting Povetkin. That fight's coming up. I'm telling you, man, here's, here's what Anthony Joshua has to do. When that fight comes down, he's got to lay it down when it comes to Alexander Pavetkin. You know, he really has to come out and make a statement, I feel, because, look, man, I, I will never take credit away from Anthony Joshua, being tremendous. He had one of the best heavyweight fights of all time with his win over Vladimir Klitschko. Super thrilling. Went through the trials and tribulations. Really proved himself. So this isn't to take credit away from Anthony Joshua, but this is the reality of, 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 of the combat world, man. People fall out of love very, very fast. And Anthony Joshua's last couple performances in a lot of people's eyes, have been lackluster, even with being the caliber of opponent of a Joe Parker. You know, we saw the way Joe Parker looked in his last fight, so then Anthony Joshua's fight doesn't quite look as impressive when you start seeing that. So I really do think that Joshua is at the point where he needs to make a statement that he is the man. Because this fight coming up with Pavetkin is a little bit lackluster when it comes to excitement. You know, people are looking at it, and, and they're at the standpoint of, Alright, you know, Pavetkin, we know the name, um, but it does bother a lot of people that he is fighting a guy who screwed Deontay Wilder before, has tested positive a bunch of times. And again, I'm not the biggest steroid saint in the world, like it doesn't bug me as it does bug a lot of people, but it is very frustrating that this guy gets this kind of opportunity when the guys who play by the rules don't and Deontay Wilder, his biggest argument is is just a money thing. It's not a merit thing. And that's the thing that's always frustrated me with all these belts and all these sanctioning bodies. We're like, well, he's taking on his mandatory. I mean, what, who, who could look at that as such a bad thing? It's like, well, first of all, the guy pops for those tests, and he's still a mandatory? Like, that's still a thing? Second of all, here's what also is messed up. If you have, and I've never got this, because, look, I've never gotten to the nitty-gritty of belts because they're all just make-believe. Like, they're all just these, these bodies that you pay fees to just, to just to look cool, to have a world title. I mean, it's kind of just made out of thin air. But they are a sanctioned governing body that people give credibility to. So let's just roll with that. If your purpose as a belt entity is to say to Fate fans, this is our champion, How is it that these sanctioning bodies don't have Deontay Wilder numero uno? How? How is it that you look over the landscape of these fights? Is it because he's not fighting in WBO sanctioned fights or IBF sanctioned fights? Get out of here. Like, if you are serious about your belt meaning something, the fact that you would rank anybody above Deontay Wilder as a contender even is ludicrous. It's ludicrous to me. You would want your belts to hold so much prestige and credibility. And maybe you say, well, if our belts are all held by one person, then it's kind of hogged up. All right, but at least it means something, you know? I mean, maybe eventually, if you want to be the belt that leaks off, if you want to be the belt that goes away and say, oh, IBF, we we don't want to be part of Gennady Golovkin anymore. All right, cool, but you're not middleweight... Your middleweight championship means a lot less than Gennady Golovkin's does. That's fine. You can go off, but it just doesn't mean the same. And so while Anthony Joshua has a grand collection of hardware to his disposal, I'm a person who believes in the linearship of championships, I guess you could say. You know, I was into wrestling a little bit back in the day. Um, somewhat now, but not like it used to be. I think everybody says that who's a wrestling fan. Secretly, we all love it. Um, but you got to follow the line. And as great as Anthony Joshua is, Deontay Wilder, when he faces Tyson Fury, is f- taking on the last lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Maybe there's a lack of belts, maybe there's only one belt on the line. But to me, that holds a lot more weight beating him than Anthony Joshua beating an Alexander Povetkin. It does. As a fight fan, as a person who cares about this stuff, I, I, I look at that and be like, yeah, I understand that Tyson Fury has kind of gone through the ringer, and maybe he's not in the same shape, and maybe you're not beating the most intimidating guy. But the fact remains, he beat Vladimir Klitschko when Klitschko was on top. Was it a terrible fight? Yeah, I mean that's one thing that is always lost to Tyson Fury and all his bravado. That fight with uh, Vladimir Klitschko was terrible, but he won. But he won. Doesn't matter. If you if you have a if you have two out of three judges or three judges saying that you came out of there the victor, you're the winner, and that's and that's that. When it comes down to, to that stuff. Um, so the Povetkin fight, I think the most important thing it's not just that it's not just that Anthony Joshua has to win. It's that he has to win and look impressive. When he's fighting Pavetkin. you know. So when this comes down next week, and I think he will win, and I'm, and I, I'm even predicting that he's going to stop him. Um, I just think that it's very important that he comes out of this, um, reminding people that he is the guy. That he, there's a reason why he's got more hardware than anybody else. There's a reason why he sells out more than anybody else. There's a reason why he's the face of boxing right now that this isn't just a case of he is the the golden boy the protected the protected meal ticket you know because it's it's very easy for everybody to say that like once you're on top as a boxer then everybody goes the route you're protected you're protected you choose easy. of course what fighter doesn't want to fight the easiest guy for the most money It, it would be the it would be the formula you would follow but for me, you still have the, the one thing with Joshua is why I, I think I would put him ahead of Deontay Wilder. I can't say Deontay Wilder's far off. I can't, not with what we've seen with Deontay, not the risks we've seen him take lately, not with the what, not with the just the fortitude we've seen in that ring. We've seen a different guy. We've seen a hungrier guy from Deontay Wilder than the guy who was taking on Spilka and Ariola. And Dehupois, you know that that Luis Ortiz fight was just such a a a, a heart filled fight. And if you didn't become a fan of his before then, how you're not a fan after that is crazy to me. When he went in there with a with an absolute dud in Berman staverne the only guy who's gone the distance with him, he turned him into an internet meme. And that's what the that's what the the heavyweight champion, the scariest man on the planet, he wants to go and say he's the most intimidating guy since Tyson. Hey, we can all laugh at it, but if he he goes and does that uh to some more people, if he does that to Tyson Fury, I mean, we'll laugh at it now, but this this crop of heavyweights is really really good. It really is. I mean, it's been a it's been a fun thing to watch with the heavyweight division. It's but the thing that's been frustrating with about it because I think the personalities are better than they've ever been. I think the talent's better than it's been in a in a long long time. Um but the thing that's great about it is you know, we actually have debate here. And it doesn't feel like we're in this world, maybe because the world is smaller because there's a lot more access to all these broadcasts now. But it doesn't feel like the title is being held hostage even with it being on the waist of a Brit. Um, It still feels like Anthony Joshua is champion of the world and we have access to him. However, the American champion, the American world heavyweight champion in Deontay Wilder, I do feel is a real challenge for him and these two guys being undefeated with the knockout power with the size they have I mean it would be I'm looking forward to the Fury fight no doubt about it but here's the thing Fury goes in there and he makes people look ugly you know Fury likes to muck it up he likes to go in there and he likes to he likes to he likes to really play with his his opponents. Likes to fight like a small fighter, even though he's six foot nine. And and for that, um, you look forward to the buildup, but there's a chance it's not going to be the most exciting fight in the world. But with Deontay Wilder, I mean that 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 kind of just knock you silly power. It's something special to watch, and I say this all the time, like with him yeah he is a flaw all these guys have flaws you know Deontay Wilder for example Deontay Wilder for his size um Deontay Wilder not the cleanest of boxers but has the best power Tyson Fury for his size kind of got pillow power like it's not very impressive for a guy of of his stature but I don't even think that bothers him he he doesn't make any bones about it he likes to hit and not be hit um he is the most sweet science out of all of these three guys and with Joshua you know Joshua's best asset is he's probably the cleanest of them all um but you could definitely question the chin and the cardio I mean that those are two things I think that are definitely question marks when it comes to Anthony Joshua we've seen him be put on the canvas as we have Tyson Fury um and we've seen him get very tired in fights And really need to recuperate. Now he has been able to weather that storm and go through it. But still remains an issue. He is a flawed fighter. And it's okay. I think that's what makes it great. Here's the thing. The bigger you get, the harder it is to be perfect. Because your margin for error is a lot smaller with how hard guys hit you. You have a bigger body that you got to work with. So... Usually, if you're if you're bigger, you're probably not as coordinated. It's it's hard to have that whole package put together. And now, like we're not even talking back in the day with like Ali, who was six three. We're talking dudes who are like 6'6", 6'5", um, 6'9", In Tyson Fury's case, like these are behemoths of men in there. Um, it, it's it's and it's it's a little bit harder when you're that size to put things quite in the right package together. So, either way. Anthony Joshua's fighting coming up next week. I'm going with AJ. Retain the belt. I think he's going to stop Pavetkin. I think he's going to put an exclamation point um, and, and a statement. I think he. One thing about Joshua, you know, he doesn't say much. I would say out of Tyson obviously Tyson Fury is the most active on social media. Deontay's second most. And AJ's more, you know, the, it's it's a much more packaged deal. Like he is the commercialized golden boy um and because of that i feel like we know the least about him but i do think he's aware that he's got to come out here and do something that makes a makes some real noise in the division so let's see if he does it it should be fun we're back after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket Welcome back, guys. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Toby here with you. Fighters Fury bright and early in our new time slot, the 9 a.m. hour. Uh, You'll have the Aquan Orange pregame show. Coming up next, you guys will get ready for Dolphins and Jets. That'll be a lot of fun for you. Uh, A couple things I want to get to in the world of mixed martial arts. It's been a very boxing-heavy show today thus far. But I want to get to this, so this was interesting to me. Uh, Jose Aldo, he was coming out this weekend talking about a debut – At lightweight he's been in the talks for a while you know uh, UFC 231 is when he's hoping to do it and one of the things that was interesting is manager told MMA fighting that he turned down a fight with Donald Cerrone that would have been a very very fun fight Um, would have been interesting you know I if you were to put these two guys a couple of years ago and it was Jose Aldo against Donald Cerrone I would say man Feels to me like Jose Aldo has the absolute kryptonite to get to Donald Cerrone with those kicks. The thing that's been interesting with Jose when we watched him it was a little bit different his last time out when he fought Jeremy Stevens, where he absolutely murked him. But um I, I think the thing that's that would be interesting is what when those kicks would come into play with Donald cerrone Um it it feels like if you can aggress and 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 Jose can be very good at at showing his aggression, walking guys down. Uh, I feel like he. I feel like it's a good matchup for him, but apparently the matchup was in. Uh, was too soon. Was too fast in their mind. So they weren't. Uh, they weren't into doing it. But I hope that does happen. I'm into that. Look, Cowboy makes any fight fun. We were talking a little bit last week, and I felt like a, I felt bad because I felt like I kind of railroaded Cowboy, caught him washed. Um, but that was more to my point of the Darren Till stuff because of. How much was built off the name of beating Cowboy, and it really was like the whole Darren Till thing was was basically off knocking out Cowboy as far as him being this impressive gorilla force, you know, and it's almost better that it happened. You uh, know, it got a lot of flack early on because it was just this random fight pass card um that not many people saw, and almost like built into the lore like Cowboy got. Cowboy got cleaned up. It's like, yeah, Cowboy got cleaned up. He didn't get he didn't get starched. He got his nose broke and they stopped the fight. Um, but for this fight, man, like there there are fights that I've been dying to see, you know. Uh, when they announced the like, Cowboy taking on Robbie Lawler, oh I was for that. I, I, I couldn't wait to see that fight. The thing is, I almost want to see that fight again. It was so damn close. I wanted it to be five rounds. You know, so look, Cowboys Cowboy Saronis top five most entertaining fighters of all time in UFC, great personality, reckless, crazy dude. He's got everything you like as a fight fan. Um, but that Jose Aldo fight would be interesting. I don't know what they're going to do for Jose for his debut at 155, but um, looking forward to seeing it for sure. That's uh, that's an interesting one to come, come up. Uh, here's what we got. We got coming up next week, we got a couple things going down in mixed martial arts. I'm interested for sure in Bellator. Which is coming up. Very busy fight week. We talked about the Joshua Pavetkin fight. That's coming up. But next week, we got Bellator. And very excited to see AJ McKee fight, man. I'm not going to lie. That entire stable of AJ McKee, Aaron Pico, Kimbo Jr. Uh, I like it all, man, over in Long Beach. And AJ McKee's a very, very impressive fighter. Uh, he's fun to watch. So if you guys are looking for something to watch on Friday night, it's the uh the twenty first. Agent McKee's taking on John Macapa. I believe that was uh I think that was I think that's a replacement fight. I forgot who McKee was supposed to fight, but this you know, this is the thing with Bellator, you know, they get a lot of flack for all of their quote unquote legends fights that they put on. But they do have a good young crop. They really do. They really have a, a good young crop of fighters who it, it's an interesting thing. Like I think it's definitely beneficial having like these heavyweight Grand prix because it brings people in, and then you get to look at them. Does it overshadow them a little bit? A little bit, but most of the time it lifts these guys up. And AJ McKee's definitely one of those guys you want to watch. And so if you're looking for something Friday night, uh, check him out. Patrick Pitbull is also fighting Roger Huerta on that card. Uh, Roger Huerta, who recently signed a multi-fight deal with Bellator. And I believe he loses first his last fight against... Uh, the UFC, against, uh, I think, didn't he debut? He debuted against Benson, and he lost via submission. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, so before we get out of here today, I want to bring this up. So we had had news this week of Conor McGregor. He is getting sued by Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa has officially thrown in the lawsuit of fighting Conor because of the bus attack. Um, If you don't remember... He uh, he lost out on a payday for that fight because of the bus attack. He got gashed in the head. I don't know how bad the cut ended up being, but enough that the commission didn't want to risk it and let him fight. And he's also suing the Barclays Center, I assume, for letting Conor McGregor breach security. Although I don't know how I don't know how much trouble the Barclays Center can get Like it doesn't. Like, he got in somehow via somebody. I'd imagine at the UFC who probably knew. Oh, Conor McGregor's here. He's obviously supposed to be here. You know, like. Imagine this. Imagine if you're some person who works on the show or works for the promotion, and the biggest star of the promotion walks in. Is your reaction going to be, he's not supposed to be here? You know, like, I I would feel like it would be one of those things. Like, for example, here, let's say Lebetard decided to come to the rat nest that is this studio, leave his beautiful facility. At the Clevelander. But let's just say he was here. Let's just, let's just say. And let's say, uh, for example, like I run the morning show, but we also have the annoying task of having to let people in the building. It would be like, and Dan ended up clubbing Romberg in the leg. It would be like suing the building because we would think, oh, Levitar wasn't supposed to be here. Because he's really not supposed to be here um, because he works for ESPN. But. The building is at fault because Romberg got clubbed by Levitard or Levitard's at fault. Like, Levitard should be at fault. And Conor McGregor should be at fault. Not that Levitard would ever club Romberg in the leg. Like, <laughs> like uh, what the hell is that, lady? Like, Tanya Harding style. I don't know why I have Levitard, Tanya Harding style just taking out Romberg, but you get know what I mean. I, but I'm not a lawyer. I, I think I could be a lawyer, as I've argued with Amber. I feel like I could be a great lawyer. But, you know, if I, if I were to bring this case, I would say, you know, my, my always philosophy if I was a lawyer would be if I don't think I can win the case, I'm going to flip on you, and then I'm going to prosecute you. That's the way it would work. So if somebody brought me this case and they're like, help me sue the building, I'd be like, no, we're suing you. That's how it's going to roll here. Anywho, uh, not surprising. Like, we've heard the bad things with Conor McGregor as far as, you know, Rose's, Rose Namajunas' coach came out recently and said, like, oh, she's, there's times where she doesn't want to leave the house because she's still traumatized by that event. Um, you know, and Rose have, has dealt with a lot of personal stuff before in her journey of, uh, as a fighter. Um, I just think that for, for the UFC, it's a tough spot because they're going to use that footage for this buildup to Khabib Conor McGregor. There's no doubt about it. It's going to get used, and it's going to get used often. And so I just think this. If for some reason they're suing the Barclays, like why wouldn't they sue the UFC for using this attack as promotion for Conor McGregor? Does Conor McGregor then have to give a cut of his pay per view? Like what are they going for here? I guess is the big question when it comes to Kiesa, and 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 what kind of a look is that going to be for him? Now I understand him wanted to do it because look, he just lost his last fight, um, and so you got a financial opportunity here. Conor's the richest of the rich. Uh, you feel like you could take a chunk out of it. You'll probably get it settled. Go ahead. Go get your money. Um, and also, you you know, he didn't deserve to get hit in the head with any glass from a dumb thing Conor McGregor did. I just wonder who's going to who, who is going to write the check to make it go away is I got a feeling it's not going to be Conor McGregor. I feel like it's going to be Dana White. Fat New Deal. Settlement. All that, you know, because I remember Dana said, oh, we're not going to be, yeah, you weren't going to pay Conor McGregor because you didn't have him set to come back yet. Now that you have not set to come back, I feel like you're going to bend over backwards to keep him here as long as possible because they need him. Um, it's an interesting thing. But that fallout is, uh took an interesting turn. But we haven't heard from Conor McGregor. That's the one thing. You know, I'm going to be very excited for this fight when it comes around. It's a weird thing, you know, I said this with Canelo Triple G this week. I really really got excited for it like a week beforehand, but it did take a little bit. I was excited when all the shenanigans was going down, then it kind of went through this lull, and then once 24/7 picked up again, I was really really into Canelo Triple G. I feel like it's going to be the same way with Conor versus Khabib. Like we're in the lull right now, but we're kind of in that zone of like 3 to 4 weeks out. Once you get like 2 weeks out from a fight, and then it's go time, and then you're like, "Wow, I can't, I can't wait for Connor versus Khabib." The thing that's interesting is the lack of media that Connor's done. But it's been shown that it's not really that necessary to do big business and do a lot of fight media. If you have a fight people care about, people will tune in. It helps. I think it helps, especially with the rest of the card and selling the other stuff, and maybe get some of those almost those fans who are sports fans who are on the fence, but fight fans, I don't think they really need to be sold on anything. They're going to buy the fight, and probably if you're a fight fan and you only buy a couple pay-per-views a year, you're definitely going to buy this one. So I don't know if Conor needs to do a lot of media. The one thing, though, about him is half of the show is hearing him talk. Watching him fight's great. He's an awesome fighter. But the the other part you come for is what is he going to say on the microphone. And that's what people get so excited about, and that's what invokes so much emotion with Conor McGregor and when he talks. And I really feel like he could have a field day with Khabib, and the fact that we really haven't gotten that yet, it's a little disappointing. But I feel like he, o- I, I feel like he only needs one. He only just needs one to really sell you on this and, and knock it out of the park. You like, you remember the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather thing? People were excited about. it. Probably didn't need a world tour, but when it did the world tour. They did four stops. Ideally, they probably should have just done two. They did the first one, feel it out, hear the buzz from everybody, do one more to react to everything. Once they got to New York, they did that third one. It was a disaster. It was not cool. Got racist. Got, uh, you know, it, it, it just wasn't fun anymore. It, had a, it picked up again in the last spot when they got to London, but if I were the UFC, ideally – I'd do a stop in Dublin, a stop in Russia, and obviously, like, one in America. But, you know, for, for this standpoint of doing a whole thing like they did with Jose, they don't need to. When they did the Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor thing, it was different. Conor wasn't quite what he is now. He was big, but he wasn't quite what he is. He was on that cusp of breaking through. It took the world tour to get everybody excited about Jose Aldo, and then don't forget, Jose got hurt. So then you had more time to kind of linger and simmer on it for a little bit. But we'll see, man. It's, uh, it's closing in. It's going to be here before you know it. Everybody have a great rest of your day. The Aqua and Orange pregame show is coming up next. Friday, very same time, same place next week, next Sunday at 9 a.m. We'll see you then.
0: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.